Let us proclaim the good news of Easter. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. Well, welcome to Laguna Presbyterian Church on this Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all your moms out there. And we also gather here today on the fifth Sunday of the season of Easter. And we gather here, of course, to worship the living God, to rejoice in His presence, to hear from His Word, and to grow in faith. We also gather for fellowship. So why don't you turn to your neighbor and welcome them here this morning. Let me, let me direct your attention to some of the announcements here in our bulletin. Of course, today is Mother's Day, as I mentioned, and after the service today, we'll gather out here in the courtyard, our flower courtyard. We will have strawberries and cream and hot chocolate and coffee as we celebrate Mother's Day today. By the way, my family and I can take our boys up to see Jennifer's grandmother, who is turning 107 years old this weekend. And she's doing great. Actually, she will be, I'm telling you the truth, she'll be walking around the party, talking to us all, sharing about church. She'll tell us what she feels about politics these days. She doesn't hold back. And uh, she'll have a glass of sherry. And as I told Jennifer last night, if she wants to have two glasses, she can, right? It's her birthday. Why hold back? It'll be a great time. So that's for us today. So we'll meet out here in the courtyard. This Friday, uh, May 19th, it's the third Friday fellowship, and Eve Evans will be uh, celebrating with us an evening of jazz. She will also be here on Sunday morning with us. Yes. That's right, so that will be great. If you turn the page, Family Fun Night is the next night, Saturday night, and we will gather at the Tankersley Hall for a Mexican food fiesta. We've got a bouncy house and bingo. It is a great time. Jerry and Kathy are back tonight from Israel and Rome, so his Bible studies he will be at his Bible studies on Tuesday and Wednesday. Today is the last day that you can donate money towards the Shoes for Orphans fundraiser we have. That's for the Melissa Orphanage for Girls in Greece. So that will be out here at the courtyard. Lots of other announcements you'll see in the connections page that will keep you up with all the happenings in our church. Let me go ahead and pray for us as we get started. God, our rock our refuge, and our resting place. We come to you this morning out of another busy week of work and responsibilities, out of our struggles to be meaningful in our world, out of our desire to meet with you, to know you as the center of our being. We come to you, our God, who created us out of love, looking for you to create us anew in this time. We trust on your Son, Jesus Christ, to reclaim our hearts and minds in this time. And we look to your Holy Spirit to remind us of your great and sure promises in this time of worship. May you be given all the glory, honor, and praise we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The 40th Psalm, psalm draws us to our worship this morning, so let us join together responsibly. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the desolate pit out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. I've told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. See, I've not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great, Great is, is the Lord. Lord. Church, rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice, for the Lord is King. Let us stand and praise God in singing together. Lift up your voice, church. Rejoice. Rejoice the Lord. 
Psalm 118 says, Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. We're going to sing it a bit like they would have sung it in the church, the first church or the Hebrew church even, the temple. I'm going to lead out and your refrain is, his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. For he is good, he is above all things. His love endures forever. Together we sing. Sing praise. Oh, yes. Sing praise. Verse 2, here we go. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, his love endures forever. For the life that's been reborn, his love endures forever. Together, sing praise, sing setting sun his love endures forever by the grace of god i will carry on his love endures forever sing praise sing praise sing praise sing praise You are the defender of the weak. You're the defender of the weak. You comfort.
seated as we continue in worship this morning. And at this time, I'd like to ask the children in Sunday school, as while the music is playing, if you guys will follow Miss Gail. Thank you for the flowers that you all passed out. It were beautiful. Thank you. So our children are going to go to Sunday school. May the Lord bless you this morning. That's all right. It's all about waiting this morning, so we're going to wait. Let's just sing that one more time. Strength will rise as we wait on the Lord together. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. The words of the prophet Isaiah call us this morning to our prayer of confession. Uh, this word of Isaiah ensures us also of God's great compassion and love and forgiveness for us, his children. God loves justice and despises wrongdoing. Yet God is faithful in recompense and has made an everlasting covenant with those who turn from sinful ways and strive earnestly for righteousness. May the whispers of our hearts be pleasing to God. We come before you, O God, in holy reverence. O God, we long to be free of burdens that hold us captive. We long to be bearers of good news to the oppressed. We long to return to your favor. Forgive us our transgressions. Loosen the chains of doubt that bind us. O oh God, hear our prayers as we come to you now in silence. Amen. We are forgiven. God loves us. God blesses us with new beginnings and with new life. So let's put aside our old ways and put on the new. God gives us a garland of instead of ashes. He gives us the oil of gladness instead of mourning. So sing and dance and rejoice. Never forget the gift of God's redeeming grace. Thanks be to God. Amen.
want to encourage you to open up your Bibles. I'll be reading from Acts chapter 1 as we continue our study through the book of Acts as we are moving towards Pentecost in a few weeks. You will find it on page 118 in the New Testament portion of your pew Bible. The verses I have for today are verses 12 through 14, but it makes sense that we read the context. So I'll start with verse 1 and read through verse 14. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up towards heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up towards heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called, called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot, and Judas son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. Gracious God, our Father, give us humble, teachable, and obedient hearts, that we may receive what you have revealed and do what you have commanded. Since we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth, make us hunger for this heavenly food, that your promises may nourish us today into the ways of eternal life. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Last Sunday afternoon, I was walking on the treadmill at the gym. The windows right there in front of me, they look out towards the intersection of Glenary and Thalia. And if you know me, you're aware this intersection is my nemesis. I can't stand that intersection. Just thinking about that intersection keeps me up at night. It gives me the sweats. There are times that I actually avoid that intersection when I'm going home. Can anyone relate to me on that? I hear an amen. I may go up and around to actually keep out of the danger zone. I'm not completely sure what it is, but something happens to the most calm and tranquil person when they approach those stop signs. 
you would think as they're driving along, it had just been announced over some loudspeaker that a huge tidal wave is approaching, or that they're giving out free lotto tickets over at Circle K. But most time, especially on the weekends and in the afternoon, that intersection is mass pandemonium. So for 30 minutes of my cardio, I decided just to watch the activity and take note of that intersection. I don't think there was one person that actually stopped. <laughs> I know we call it a California stop, but there was no one that completely stopped. They just kind of stopped, and then they go right through. There were several potential accidents. One car that completely <laughs> blew out the stop sign, as there were no stop signs at all, just right through. And there were three pedestrians that were walking along. Their lives were in danger, and they got out of the way. But two of them, if it wasn't for their friend, because two of them were on their phones. I don't know what they were looking at. <laughs> Your life is at stake. And there were several cars, I, do, I still don't get it, several cars that felt it was necessary to put the pedal to the metal after they get through the intersection just to know how powerful and loud their car can be. And then one time, about halfway in, there was a nasty argument. One guy was yelling at another guy, and this guy told him that he was number one. <laughs> and just then, the other guy gave him back a bouquet of number ones. It was very nice. And this was all on a Sunday afternoon. Shouldn't we slow down? Shouldn't we relax? I mean... It's Laguna Beach, right? Now, before you think I'm getting too judgy, I was driving home from dropping my son off at school on Friday. And I think it was my turn. No, it was not my turn. <laughs> I was in a hurry to get home to get started on this sermon, if you can believe it. And I went through the intersection, and this guy gave me the stare down. You ever been given the stare down? He gave me the stare down the entire intersection through. You know what I did? I gave him the stare down back. And then as I went through the intersection, I thought, oh gosh, I hope there's not a pastor back on the treadmill watching me. I'll be in his sermon on Sunday. Now it reminded me of my favorite, all-time favorite Andy Griffith episode. It was called The Sermon for Today. The guest preacher, he walks up to the pulpit and he puts his hands down like this and he just scans the congregation back and forth and he says to them, by looking at all of you, I know what word to bring you this morning. Slow down. Relax. Wait. What's the hurry? And he kept saying over and over again, folks, what's the hurry? And as he preached, all the congregants who they had shown us were so busy before they got to church, as he's preaching, you can just see everyone in the congregation is starting to calm down. Are you starting to calm down right now? They started to calm down, and Goober, of course, started to fall asleep, and he started to snore, and someone hit him, and he woke back up again. And when the Griffiths and their friends came home from church, they sat around out there on the porch, and they said to themselves, you know, if we're going to follow the pastor's advice, we need to find a way to slow down today. And then Andy asked, well, when was the last time that we actually slowed down? And then one said back, you know, I remember. It was when we were in the park and we were listening to the community band play. It was a time to just slow down and, and to calm down. And, and then one of them said, that's it. That's what we need to do today. We need to get the band back together. We've got to start practicing today. We've got to repair the bandstand and repair the uniforms. And they said, let's get to it. And so for the whole rest of the show, they're getting everything ready and they're practicing and they get to the end of the evening and they didn't get any of those things done and they're sitting exhausted on the porch outside. And Barney looks at everybody and he says, you know what? I think we missed the point. So what is it? What is it about waiting? Why is it as a church and as individuals, we tend to push back and to avoid it? I read recently that waiting is becoming more of a challenge for each generation. 
For we are living in a time when our culture is always at work, 24-7, trying to find ways to make our lives easier and faster. One writer went on to say that our webbed, warped brains have burned up any patience that we have at all. Over a hundred years ago, our society was dependent upon waiting for the harvest for food and, and we would wait or they would wait for the paper to come and maybe it didn't come every day and there was no such thing as jet lag. Have you thought about that? They didn't know what jet lag was. They mailed a letter and they hoped maybe the reply would come back in days or weeks or if it was international, maybe months. And now everything is at our fingertips what was considered fast and efficient yesterday is now slow in comparison today. We wait for the next computer, we wait for the next phone because maybe it will be faster. And if we don't get a text message reply back in a minute, you know what happens to you. You get anxious. Did I say something wrong? Did they take it personal? And we get anxious and we have equated waiting with something that's negative. And if this waiting goes on in our lives, we find ourselves getting frustrated and we get anger. And if it goes on too long, we find creeping in hopelessness into our lives. Let's pause for a moment and think about this. If we went out for coffee and I asked for you to share with me about those times in your life when you grew the most as a person, when your character was formed, when you deepen significantly in your relationship with God, would you say that that happened during a frantic pace in your life? Would you say that it happened when a flood of blessings were coming in and you were in that thanksgiving mode? Or would you tell me that it happened during a time of waiting? Something happens to us. Something happens within us when we are waiting especially in that prolonged waiting, we find slowly but surely, especially as we look back, that transformation was happening in our lives by God. He was taking us from one degree of faith to the next degree of faith as we look back. I think that's what was happening in the lives of the apostles. Look what happened. Take a look at what happened to that ragtag group of apostles especially on that night when they had seen that Jesus had been arrested. What did they do? They scattered out of fear. And then we look here, and they are gathered together as a cohesive group of mature followers of Christ. Now let's think back for a moment. For three years, these apostles had followed Jesus. They had listened to all of his teachings. They heard his claims to be the Son of God. They had witnessed miracle after miracle. That is a lot to take in. Some of you have spent years and decades in Bible studies, and you're still trying to take it in and process it. And during that holy week, they walked with Jesus into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And Thursday night, they were around the table at the Last Supper, and there was this foot washing by Jesus and he was betrayed and arrested. He was on trial and tortured. On Friday, he was crucified upon the cross. Many of them thought that was final. And three days later, he was raised from the dead. And that was more for them to take in and process. And we read for 40 days following, Jesus appeared to them at different times, and he taught them about the kingdom of God. I would make the case this morning that something transformative was happening in their lives during those 40 days. Those 40 days, by God, it was given to them as a time to process all they had seen and heard. They were learning to be patient until the next time when Jesus might show up. They were becoming attentive to His voice amongst all the other voices that were around them. And God, I believe, was preparing them during that time of waiting where he would bring about the next chapter of faith and of their story. That was happening during the waiting. And next we read this morning, they gathered 
as one body at the Mount of Olives at the end of those 40 days. And what does Jesus do? He tells them to go back to Jerusalem and what? I want you to go back to Jerusalem and wait. Wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit when you will be clothed with power from on high. They didn't know what that was going to be. We have the benefit of reading back in the Scriptures what that would be, but they had no idea. It was a mystery to them. And after Jesus said those words, he ascended up into heaven. What did they do after the angels gave them that little nudge to move forward? They obeyed God's word. They went back to Jerusalem and they waited. Notice what they did as they waited. They went back up to a familiar place. They went back up to the upper room. They stayed together in community. Instead of going off like mavericks and trying to figure something out, they stayed together in community. And we are told they prayed with one another. We're told that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was with them along with Jesus' brothers. I really hadn't noticed that much before, but when I was working on this sermon, I thought Mary, the mother of Jesus, was with the apostles. And we shouldn't pass over that too quickly. Do you see what God has done for these 11 who are probably in a frantic state? God provides them with a spiritual giant. Mary, who had carried Jesus for nine months of pregnancy. She was there with him in his childhood, his adolescence, and his adulthood. She witnessed his first miracle when he had turned, from wa turned water into wine. For some of you, that's his favorite miracle. And then we read that Jesus is standing there, or Mary is standing there next to John at his crucifixion, and she watched Jesus die, and she knew the witness that he had been raised from the dead, and here she is. She's in the upper room, and she is witnessing to the good news to these apostles. God knew what those apostles needed. They needed that spiritual giant Mary there with them. And we read that Jesus' brothers are there. These are the same brothers that were skeptical of Jesus when he claimed to be the Messiah. And now they are in the upper room and they are filled with faith. What a witness for those 11 apostles. And so they are all together watching, praying, and waiting. Waiting for the promise. It's what the church has been doing for 2,000 years. Waiting. I read this week that Christianity is a faith where we are called into, we are saved into a time of waiting. We're waiting for each Sunday. We're waiting to take the Lord's Supper with one another the next time. We wait through Advent to Christmas, from Lent to Good Friday and Easter. We are waiting during these 50 days for Pentecost when we will celebrate the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We are waiting each day, each year upon the Lord as he prepares us for mission. And we are waiting for the day when Jesus will return, when he will renew heaven and earth, and we will see Jesus face to face. And we are learning to wait faithfully as a church. And what do we do? as individual followers of Christ. We are realizing that our life involves a lifetime of waiting. We wait through hardship and challenges. We have waited through times of great harvest and desperate drought. We have waited through mountaintop experiences and we have waited through desert times of silence. We've waited through SAT scores acceptance or denials from colleges, waiting for that first or second or third job, just waiting, hoping for that phone call, waiting for a spouse, waiting through complexities of relationships, raising a family, waiting through financial ups and downs. We have waited through doctor visits and blood tests and church issues and national politics. We have waited through changes in cultures. And last but not least, we have waited through that voice in our head that says to us, what next? Or how long, O oh Lord? How long, O oh Lord? And so we wait and we wait and we wait, but we do not wait as a people without hope. Oh no. 
we wait in the assurance that God is for us. And during that time of waiting, we are starting to understand that maybe what God is doing in that time of waiting, maybe He is protecting me from something. Maybe if I receive that answer to prayer, it could become something idolatrous in my life. Maybe He's holding me off on that answer to prayer for my own good. It may be that He's just trying to slow us down to process a truth or a story in our life or some grace that he's provided. It could be that he's slowing you down to work on your character just a little bit more before he brings you to that next stage in your life. It could be that he's preparing you for what that answer might be, whether it's an answer in the affirmative or the negative. And always as we're waiting, he's moving us into a deeper walk with himself to make us more and more faithful followers of Jesus. Hear what Isaiah the prophet says. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. And those words ring true for you, follower of Christ. In Jesus' life, death, resurrection, in his ascension to the right hand of God the Father, he has solidified for you, he has secured that promise for you that you have a God who loves you, who is working for you, that as you are waiting, you can be assured that God is for you and not against you. Yes, there is a mystery to it. It can be very frustrating and challenging. I don't know the answer. The book of Romans says that we do not know the mind of God as though we can counsel God. But we trust his promise and his word that he is for us and he is not against us. And so we take up the examples of those apostles during those times of waiting. We get to the upper room. I know sometimes when we are waiting, we just want to go off by ourselves. But those apostles, they went into the upper room. This can be our upper room for us. Where they may have wanted to go off by themselves, they made sure that they stayed in community with one another to help one another, to spur one another on to love and good deeds. And they made sure that they were always in constant prayer. They were praying, they were watching, they were listening, and they were asking questions. A couple of years ago on one of our service trips to Molokai, we had a very extensive layover at the Honolulu airport. So I thought it would be a great idea to take the 45 of us to go and see the USS Missouri there at the harbor in Honolulu, outside of Honolulu. So we got on a bus. It was bus number 20. Remember that, bus number 20. And we took the half an hour trip on the bus over towards the harbor. And as we were getting off the bus, I said to the bus driver, you know, we've got a flight this afternoon. And I would like to know which bus we should take back here from the harbor to get back to the airport. And he said, oh, you just want to take bus number 20. Sounds good. I'm the leader of this group. I know I've got to make sure we have ample time at the bus stop to wait. The tour of the USS Missouri was incredible. If you haven't done it yet, you've got to do it. And of course, everyone wanted to stay just a little bit longer but I got us back to the bus stop with ample time, and there we stood and waited for bus number 20. 30 minutes went by, no bus number 20. An hour went by, no bus number 20. Now, when you're the leader of the group, you have got to look confident. <laughs> but inside, I am a screaming little child. And I'm like, don't worry. Bus number 20 should be here. An hour and a half went by, no bus number 20. We are an hour away from our flight taking off. Could you picture if I left 45 of us in Honolulu with school the next day? All my emails would be flying. So finally, there was this stranger walking by to stand at the bus stop, and I walked over to her and I said, might you know when bus number 20 is going to show up? She said, honey, Bus number 20 only shows up two times a day. It happened in the morning, and it's not going to happen again until 6 o'clock at night. Sentence enhancers are going through my head. So I said, well, what do I do? I've got to get 45 of us to the airport. She said, well, listen, honey. 
Bus number 18, it goes to the airport, and it's here every 20 minutes. It's been flying right by. So I yelled out to all the Hawaiian locals, hey, everybody, this is the deal. I've got to get 45 of us back to the airport. Can you, can you dig it? And they are all saying, we can dig it. And so the bus number 18 came up. I got all 45 of us on the bus. We packed this baby. I said up to the bus driver, can you hit the turbo button? We were stopped outside of the airport, bus number 18, just in case you go, it's outside of the airport, not to the center like bus number 20. So we are literally running across parking lots with our backpacks and carry-ons. We got through the security checkpoint and no joke, I am literally the last person on the plane as I'm counting 45 and the door almost closed on my foot. Now I say this to you this morning So like Barney Fife said, we don't miss the point. In our waiting, in our waiting, we don't just stop. You see, the interpretation of the word waiting actually is serving. And so we're waiting, and we're serving, and we're listening, and we're staying attentive, and we're asking questions because we never know who or when or how God might speak to us or speak to us through someone else, maybe even a stranger. And we are always reminding ourselves throughout our waiting that we have a God who is for us. And if God is for us, then who could be against us? Amen? Amen. Let us stand together as we affirm our faith. From Romans chapter 8, verse 31 through 39. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Give us everything else. Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. It is Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For we are convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Invite the ushers to come forward as we give of our tithes and offerings. Yes. 
us if you'd like. We will remember. We will remember. Hallelujah. God of life, our Father, by the resurrection of your Son, you overcame the old order of sin and death to make all things new in him by the power of your Holy Spirit. On this Mother's Day, we give thanks for mothers the world over. We give thanks for all those who have nurtured and cared for us, remembering especially birth mothers, adoptive mothers, surrogate mothers, aunts, grandmothers, teachers, neighbors, and all women who have shared their faith with us. We pray for those mothers who have been hurt, disillusioned, or disappointed in their role as mother. We pray for those who have been denied a longed-for chance at motherhood, and for those whose years of mothering have been cut short by the loss of a child. We also bring before you, O oh God, our prayers for the nations of the world. for our nation and its leaders, for this community and those in authority. We pray for the church gathered today, both here and around the world, that it may encourage all of its members to discover, develop, and use all their gifts, those of nature and those of grace. Generous God, we bring our gifts of time, we bring our gifts of talents, we bring our gifts of money. They're building stones for your kingdom, awaiting, shaping, and placing within your loving purpose as we wait for the fullness of your kingdom to come, praying together the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We sing together, great is thy faithfulness.
I have needed, your hand has provided. Great is your faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, oh God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not, thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. that you will join us out on the courtyard here as we celebrate Mother's Day together and have fellowship together as a church. And now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace that you may overflow with hope by the power of his Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ our Lord. God bless you this week. Amen.